Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. What a day, what a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. It is the joy to be with you guys every two hours, every weekday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. And we are just looking for the glory of God to come even in a greater measure. And we are excited for the presence of the Lord that is pouring it um, that is pouring out on all flesh and that we are seeing the glory of God come and lives be changed, lives be altered, and lives forever be transformed by who Jesus is and the power of his resurrection. This is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Hannah, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. A little tired from last night. Fair, fair day, but it was fun. Yeah. Had fun watching the, what is that? The horse, the rodeo, the rodeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I we watched a little bit of it, then of course I got suckered into going back to the rides. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a great night. Had a lot of kiddos with us, and um, I had some food. I didn't eat as much as I thought it would. <laughs> I only ate uh, cotton candy, some funnel cake, a corn dog. Um, I didn't have none of the lemonade, so that was good. Heather, I drank that all. Um, <laughs> And then did I eat anything else? Popcorn. Ethan, Ethan has a list he could send send <laughs> us. He made a list. They were trying to figure out. I didn't eat as much as I thought I would. See, it was good. Um, but no, it was fun. It was a good night of fellowship. I saw a lot of people there. Um, and so it was really a joy to, to get out there and um, visit and got to visit with some new families that's been coming to church here. And they were there. And so I got to talk to them a little bit. And um, it was just a really good night altogether. And um, see, we can be the light at the fair. I knew we could do it. As and a kid, it's probably pretty cool to be able to ride a fair ride with your pastor. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. See your pastor and his kids on, on a fair ride. I guess so. <laughs> uh, those fair rides don't do it for me no more at all. Um, that first one we rode, uh, you all was on that one with us. That thing sounded like it was, it was about to break down. I, we need to pray today for those kids. Look, my my lap bar, like the safety harness, literally came undone on me, and I was holding it down the whole ride. Like, I lifted it up above my head in the middle of the ride. I was like, this can't be safe. Um, and so then we rode the little spaceship thing one time, and that was all it took for me to remember I'm not young anymore, and my stomach doesn't take things like that very well at all. Um, so, but it was a great night and it was an awesome time to see so many people, um, that I had, you know, that's one thing about the fair that I will say, you get to see people you haven't seen for a while, or mm-hmm. you just get to see them the ones out and about. And, um, you know, I, I take it with a grain of compliment that, um, a lot of the younger kids will say around here that, you know, Aaron's the fun pastor. Like we have one, <laughs> we have one 11, uh, 12 year old, um, she goes to her friends and says, Hey. I got the fun pastor because uh, he, he does a lot of fun things. And I'm like, yeah, but those fun things really hurt my body after so long because I'm not young anymore. Um, but it is it was it's just a good time. So um, we'll fly through the announcements this morning a little bit. Uh, if you want to listen live in the Box 2 Radio Network, of course, we're live on 91.5 Litchfield, Hardinsburg. Also 91.1 Highsville, Glasgow or 98.3 Owensboro, Kentucky. Also, you can listen live on our Box 2 Radio app. That is available on Tithely Church app. Download that. And then once you download the Tithely Church app, you can search Box 2. And our 
network should come up and you'll be able to just push change and that's the last time you have to go through all that the box 2 radio app will be there and of course on the new box 2 radio app it is a lot better than the older one um you of course can go continue to listen live you can listen to podcasts directly on there uh, you can have a prayer wall so you can reach out for us for prayer. Uh, speaking of prayer, of course, remember today we have live prayer, 930 to 10. So you can call the station 270-257-2689 and get your prayer request in from 930 to 10 to be prayed over today live during the on air. Now, you know, if you want prayer and you say, I'm not praying, I don't want my name out there. Well, you can type it in and say, hey, we need prayer for this. Um, but I prefer my name not to be said or something like that. We try to respect and honor all that if, mm-hmm. if that's what you need. But we do want to pray and connect faith with yours and see God do great things in whatever situation's facing you. Um, and then also you can listen live on box2radio.com. That's the box number 2 radiocom Or you can engage and interact with me today. We love that. Ask your Bible questions. Engage in the Bible discussions. And you can do that by texting me at 270-230-6337. Um, tonight at Bethel Fellowship is part two of Deliverance tra- um, teaching. Um, so we're going to get more into the kingdom of darkness and what's going on there, but also continue forth in Deliverance, talking about that done in a very balanced biblical way. Hopefully that's our attempt because we want truth at the end of the day. I don't, I don't want to know what this guy's saying necessarily. I don't want to know what this guy's saying. I don't want to just focus on what this guy's saying. I want to know what Scripture's saying. And let everybody's com- com- um, commentary complement Scripture, but never be the basis for what we do. Scripture's always the basis. And um, that's what we're trying to do faithfully as much as we can. And then this Monday coming up at high noon, um, Rough River Youth Ranch Trail Labor Day Cookout is going to be at Danger Point. So if anybody wants to come out and eat with us, that's going to be at 12 o'clock. It'll be some hamburgers and hot dogs. We are asking everybody that wants to come, though, to bring a side or chips or some kind of drink or something like that. But um, we're just trying to pitch in together on this one and just have a great time of fellowship there at Danger Point. And then now... Harvest Now Crusade, September 10th, 11th, and 12th with Pastor, I mean, uh, Brother Lance Johnson. He's going to be here at Bethel Fellowship. It's going to be three powerful nights of um, just the church assembly together, the harvest coming in, and we're just believing God for a breakthrough. We're believing God for um, people, to, captives to be set free. We're believing God for souls to be saved. We're being believing God for um, the church to be awakened even in a greater extent. Um, we're just anticipating three powerful nights there. And then the fall share gathering, the harvest, September 27th, 28th, and 29th is right around the corner. And then there's a camp meeting with Pastor Dwayne Kidd, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, setting the captives free. That's in Horse Cave, Kentucky. Um, and that's going to be at 6 o'clock nightly at the Burley Barn. You can have, find more information on pretty much all of those events on our Box 2 radio app. Uh, the weather today is still going to be, um, it's going to be pretty for a while now. Um, a little chilly this morning. I loved it. Um, it, yeah, it felt good. Um, it's almost sweater weather. Uh, <laughs> during the night, but then you're getting into, um, it's actually gonna get really warm again next week. We're looking at low mid nineties next week, but, um, today's 82 and 53. So it would be sweater, 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 sweater. <laughs> Weather, there we go, in the middle of the night. Um, 
but it's going to be a or beautiful day. Yeah. And um, actually, I don't even think we're there's no rain even possible in the for- forecast really until all the way next Friday. And then it's still, that's the only day there's a possibility of it for a while. Hey, your prayer for the rain must yeah. work. Um, there's probably Not some people, farmer, some but. people probably don't like me for that. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just like, man, we need some, some relief from the heavy mowing this year. seems like everywhere we go, just mow, mow, mow. Um, <clears throat> And so it is, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with a little bit of dry, but if you have two or three weeks in 90 degree weather, it gets really dry pretty quick. So um, maybe we need some rain somewhere in there. Oh, good Lord. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm trying to help the farmers out because I don't want them mad at me. Um, <laughs> then our verse for today is 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether it be good or bad. And, of course, if we unpack that a lot more, we understand that there's different judgments for the unbeliever and the believer, but we're all going to stand before Christ somehow. As believers, we will stand before God in the sense of, the works that we've done rewards or no rewards burning up in the hay and stubble. But for the unbeliever, there's judgment and um, really damnation and it's, it's not going to be pretty. Um, So Roman says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Um, And then I got a quote here, Hannah, you don't have it on your sheet. But because we was at the fair and I didn't get the sheet done. So, um, but I have a quote for tomorrow. You have a quote for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Do you have a quote for today? Do you have me to hold mine to, for tomorrow? Or you want to do yours tomorrow? I can do mine tomorrow. All right. Leonard Ravenhill said, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is playing, I'm sorry, the pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many, pe- many players and put. Pe- Oh my gosh. Okay. This one gets a little tricky. And it's It's got a lot of P's in there. Yeah. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Falling here, we fall everywhere. Or failing here, we fail everywhere. But all that to say, no man is greater than his prayer life. Mm -hmm. And the thing that always gets me, the pastor who is not praying is playing. And the people who are not praying are straying. And I'm not going through the rest of it again. All right. (laughs) But that was good. Um, That quote kind of reminds me of, the song that's been on my heart, you know, let the fire on my altar never go out. And I heard someone else say that if you oper- also like operate in the prophetic, like your, your, um, gifting can, your prayer life and your altar has to be bigger than your gifting. Mm-hmm. Because at that point you're going to, well, basically what, what this person was saying was you can end up straying off into, you know, you know, not saying things that are true, not hearing the right things from the Lord. Um, but I really like that because your, your altar has to be bigger than your gifting. Yes. It can't be unevenly matched. 
I'll really like that. <clears throat> oh, oh, Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill. Have you ever read the book Why Revival Terries? Mm-mm. Uh, you, you'd probably like that one. It's um, it's kind of a classic at this point. Um, I think I've read it maybe twice. Um, it's it's a pretty good b- book. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Well, we're gonna go to John this morning and go to John chapter nineteen. We got through one verse yesterday. How about that? Um. So we got after we was talking about the sixth hour. We was talking about the day of preparation for the Passover. Now we are at verse 15, and they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Should I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar's. So now the Jews are crying out, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to him, Because Pilate's still like back and forth with him. Should I crucify your king? Now, at this point, you may get into where I'm not for sure exactly what he's doing at this moment. Like, is he mocking? And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm undecided on this in my in myself how I'm trying to interpret this. Is he mocking, or is he trying to provoke them? Like, you know, should I really crucify your king? And or is he testing the Jews? Is he testing them to see what their their loyalty stands out? Because at first they were talking about we'll tell. We'll tell Caesar if you don't do what we say. So I'm still trying to figure out Pilate. Like, I still haven't got Pilate figured out. At one moment, I think he's struggling. The next moment, I think he's embracing it. Next moment, I think he's a, he's like, I don't want to do this. The next moment, he's like, okay, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. Like, I don't know. Like, Pilate, yeah. I just, one moment, Pilate's like, I find no fault. The next moment, they're putting the crown of thorn in his head. Mm-hmm. The next moment, he's like, you know, I really don't know if I have justification to do this. And now he's like, should I really crucify your king? It's almost like he's egging it on. Because mm-hmm. then they say, out, there's no king but Caesar. You know, um, I don't know. Pilate's just, he's really got me confused. He's very wishy-washy. He's very much a politician. Um, and we see, like, that's what I'm seeing over and over with Pilate is just that, um, He's so confused on who she's trying to please. He don't know. Um, because he's, I've some, like I said, sometimes it feels like he's really struggling with this whole thing. And then sometimes it's like, huh, should I really crucify your king? Looking for, it's almost like he's looking for them to say, yeah. Yeah, like he's provoking them to say that. And so, so then he delivered him over to be crucified. And that's pretty much where we... You know, that's such a slap in the face, though, that we have no king but Caesar. Yeah. For the Jews. Yeah. And I mean, I would say that probably really did hurt Jesus and emotionally. Like we we really make Jesus out to be such a tough guy. But at the end of the day, like he's dying for these people. He is the king of kings. And yet they'll scream out, no, we want him dead because we have no other king but Caesar. That has to pierce his heart somehow. Like, I don't know how it does it. And just to see, you know, God's chosen people saying that. After everything they've already done. Like, every time that they end up getting into idolatry and straying from the Lord and 
provoking the wrath of the Lord. Like, and then he's coming to satisfy wrath, but yet they're still, <coughs> yeah, it's just, I know. I just, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like we was talking last night and actually on the way home from the fair, I was listening to the re air that happens at nine and I was listening to us talk about the whole emotional turmoil and the, the weightiness of what he would have gone through. And it just, still, it just strikes me a lot. And it's been on my heart a lot of, not just the physical, but the emotional toil and the turmoil and the heartache and all that would have come along with the crucifixion too that we usually just don't talk about. And it, that makes the physical worse. Because anytime your body's under that much stress, emotional stress, anything like that, it actually will intensify whatever the physical stuff is like a lot yes all right well so now in this is still part of 16 so he delivered them over to the be crucified so they took jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to a place they called the place of the school which in aramaic is called Golgotha. then there they crucified him and him, two others, one on either side, and Jesus Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So they made sure they put Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, in every language that would pass by that they could. So they had it in... Um, again, they had it in the Aramaic, they had it in Latin, and they had it in Greece, Greece, Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what have I written? I have written. When the soldiers have crucified Jesus, they took his garment and divided him into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So here, like, we spend all this time with Pilate. We spend all this time in the trial, in the Last Supper, but then, like, talking about the crucifixion, like, they don't really... John does not go into the beating. John does not go into the flogging. John does not even go into the the details of the crucifixion. He just says, well, he was crucified in a place that many people passed by, what was written on top, and really that there was one on each side. And that's pretty much the extent of what we know about the crucifixion. Even the chief priest of the Jews said to him, do not write the king of the Jews. This guy said he was. And Pilate basically, hey, look, I written what I writ. When I, I written, I wrote what I wrote, and it's going to stay there. Um, and then the soldiers take his clothes. So this is literally pretty much... And of course, they said to one another, "Let us tear it. Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who shit shall be." This was to fill the scripture, which said, "They divided my garments among them for my clothes. For my clothing, they cast lots." Hmm. I mean, this is pretty much literally the the book of what John's telling us about the crucifixion. Um, but we know, of course, we know there's a lot more there because we have the synoptic gospels and the other three gospels to tell us what, but really like John just doesn't deal much with the actual crucifixion himself. He dealt more with the trial. And I think 
myself, I think one of the reasons he's dealing more with the trial is he was dealing with the dialogue between Jesus and the Jews and letting us just see really what was there. Mm-hmm. Like really the conversation, the, but even also the hatred, the bitterness, the, the anger in the Jews and the, and the high priest and the priestly scribes and all of them and the Sanhedrin that would have been there. Like they were just, they hated them. And we got to kind of see that really play out. And, and then we honestly, I felt like I focused, like I felt like there was more focus on Pilate and his internalization of what's going on than the crucifixion himself, which is, is, um, you know, a little bit different than the other ones for course, of course, but then we're getting ready to get into the resurrection and the ascension, which I feel like John may spend a little bit more time. It feels like it. I don't know, like logistically if he spends more time on it than the other ones, but it feels like he actually does. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to keep pushing because now we're going to, but there is, there is some things that we see him say on the cross. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his Mary's sister, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is talking about John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then the disciple then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, we really don't find any other disciples around. Like, we really don't ever hear of another disciple around the cross. Surely they were maybe in a distance. Maybe like maybe they were similar to Peter who kind of ran off because they were his followers and they didn't want to go after him like this. But the one we do see there is John. And John is with Jesus' mother. And then he's with a couple of other ladies. But Jesus' mother is the one that he looks down and says, Hey, woman, behold your son. And then he looks at John and say, John, behold your mother. What he's really doing there is he's making sure that John is taken care of and he's making sure that his mom is taken care of. And he says, I need you two to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And John actually moves Mary into his house. And... um at this point, though, we still don't know what really, no one really ever knows what happened to Joseph, his, Jesus' father. Mm-hmm. I always uh, wondered that. Like, um, I don't think anybody has a solid answer. I don't even think Josephus really covers it, even a secular stance. Um, we speculate that he, he passed away sometimes between 12 and 30, because he's never mentioned in Jesus' ministry and the last time we hear of mention from joseph is when jesus goes to the temple at 12 so somewhere between 12 and 30 something happened to joseph so it doesn't really seem like mary has um the ability to follow and keep being provided by for joseph so it looked like jesus was almost operating as her like provision kind of deal as because it seemingly looks like she's traveling with him mm-hmm. um and then of course jesus had brothers and sisters so i don't know at this point they probably would have been old enough to be self-sufficient so i believe mary most likely was kind of by herself mm-hmm. traveling with jesus and jesus was kind of taking care of her at this point and 
we see that he looks down from the cross and tells John, behold your mother, and Mary, behold your son. Because you also got to remember that John was the youngest. Most people, most people believe that John was the youngest disciple. So John and Mary both would have probably needed some care and oversight and overwatching. So this is how Jesus did. He did not leave any of them high and dry. He he was looking down, and I think even here, it shows he's he's being crucified right now. He just got flogged, just got beat, went through all the emotional stress, went through, you know, pretty much he's still not eight in a day. I'm going to get to be a day at this point. Hasn't slept, hasn't done anything. But yet he still has enough fortitude, love, care, and concern that he's willing to look down to Mary. And one of the last statements in his life is making sure that Mary and John's taken care of. Yeah. It's amazing. I just see his, you see his heart there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's important to look at stuff like that is to see his heart manifest, to see his heart that loves his mom, that loves John. And um, I think we're quick to pass over stuff like that, but I think it has significance and I think it shows who Jesus really is. Um, And then after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And then a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, that would have not been like wine, wine. Like most people believe and i think even other portions of the text would call it like a vinegar mix kind of deal mm-hmm. um that's what i had always yeah read um but that word could be translated a little bit differently um now some people would say it was a soured wine and they gave they gave the people being crucified wine to help them deal with the pain somewhat i don't think so i think it was different kind of mix myself but um, all that to say that he thirsted and he said they gave him one drink and then he just said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, I think it's significant to note here that it looks like he's choosing when it's done. Mm-hmm. Like he's choosing. All right. I think it is complete now. I think that everything that needs to be done has been done. I fulfilled all the scripture that needs to be fulfilled. There's nothing else missing. I've taken care of John and Mary. I've done everything that the fathers asked me to. And he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It really is showing us that he had the determination. He chose when to lay down his life. Mm-hmm. He chose when to give it up. Um. And I think that just speaks to who he is, the power of who he is, and that no man takes my life, I lay it down. And I, I just I just see there's so many significant things happening here that I don't want to overlook, but yet for the sake of time and how we do this, I can't dive into deep into every one of them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to bring it out. And we're going to end there today. But I think it's just significant to remember and to see him saying, now's the time to give it up. All right, 
it's finished and it's once and for all finished. Hebrews tells us he's the once and for all sacrifice. Like he don't need to make atonement for us again. Mm -hmm. It is sufficient. He's given it up. It's not being taken from him. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I see the significance in that. And, um, and I think it's just important because again, that that's fulfilling scripture, even within itself, that he, he is laying his life down. No man takes his life, but he lays it down and he's laying it down for his friends. And I just like, I, I, I'm glad we did the book of John because in this, it's still, it's refreshing our own hearts. It's making us remember. And one thing the church don't do a ton always is think about the gospel because somewhere in the church, somewhere in the world, church world, it's become like the gospel's the elementary thing. And if you keep talking about the gospel, then you're just going to be shallow and you're just in the foundational entrance phase. Well, I think there's a difference between teaching and preaching to understand the gospel and preaching a salvation message. If all we ever do is just preach a salvation message, we may we won't grow. But if we start to understand what the gospel has done in our lives, then we will grow. So I think it's all how we and present the, significance, the gospel. The way that it, you know, reveals Christ and relates to the whole other scripture. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what Paul did. Paul preached the gospel a lot, but he talked about the gospel like like Honestly, the book of Romans, which is a terrific book, was really a book about explaining the Gospels, the mm-hmm. Gospel, and in a theological understanding, and then not only explaining the Gospel, but then when applied, what the Gospel should, should produce in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the whole New Testament is about the Gospel. It is literally the New Covenant. What is the New Covenant? theologically how do we understand the new covenant and then what should the new covenant produce in us after we've accepted Christ as savior so really the whole new testament is nothing other than the power of the gospel and to know him and to know the power of his resurrection and for me I'm never afraid to preach or teach on the gospel now I do understand if every Sunday morning the only thing we do is come in and just try to get people saved the church won't grow that way it really won't, because while we're hearing good salvation presentations and the gospel message going forth, we need to learn how to walk out the gospel, how to walk out the the, the commission, how to walk out the the new covenant, and the the lost need to hear the gospel. The church needs to hear about the gospel and what it should be producing in our lives and how we walk in the spirit. So. We got our first trivia question of the morning coming up here. Let me pull over here to my handy-dandy notebook. Um, Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who boasted that he would give David's body to the birds and beast for food? Who boasted that he would give David's body to the birds and beast for food? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. We do have an answer for that trivia question this morning. Brother Josh Milburn got it correct. Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, 44, who boasted that he would give David's body to the birds and the beasts for food. It was Goliath. Now, in my defense, when he called in, I did not recognize him. He was trying to disguise his voice. And I was like, 
you know, may I ask who's calling? And he said, Josh Milburn. And I said, oh my gosh, I didn't look, I didn't even recognize him. Then he said, look up and he's in the window. Um, and so he snuck in and I did not recognize his voice on the phone. As much as I talked to Josh, he was doing a pretty good job. I thought it may have been Josh, but then I, I wasn't for sure. And, um, and so I just said, may I ask and it's Josh Milburn. Um, and so, but we love Bastard Josh here. We'll get our second trivia question out at the next break. Give you another opportunity to get your name in for this two-week drawing that will happen Friday morning. And so <clears throat> we're just excited for the testimonies that are coming forth. We're talking about doing a um, a testimony day each week where we bring a guest on in the guest spot to just talk about their testimony and what God's doing in their life, what God has done in their life. And um, I know a lot of people's being stirred right now to talk about their testimony. So Amen. I think that's awesome. Hoping to get some different age yeah. Multi-generational testimonies. So. Multi-generational. That feels like there should be a song about that one day or something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know like how you would like... It would be a hard rhythm. Like, <laughs> it's a multi-generational move. Like, you know... I, it, it could be like... Um, it could, like it feels like... You'll have to break up the word probably and do like... It that way. No, it's kind of like your old rock, rock and roll kind of like, you know, <laughs> welcome, McDaniels. <laughs> and you could go out there and it's like, welcome to the multi generational move. <laughs> and really, like, in my head, I've got this. I, I don't uh, know why you kind of sound like a surfer, dude. <laughs> well, like, um, there was this one. I don't know. Did, did you ever watch the Jensen, Jensen's? Jetsons when you was young, the uh, cartoon. Mm-mm. My favorite movie was when the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Now. But yeah. the Jetsons had this one guy that the daughter always loved. He was like the singer, but he was kind of like this rockish, cool <laughs> young singer. And that's just the that's the sound I got in my head when I think about this. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I just got it in my head, and so. Well, uh, Mr. Todd Mingus, he was giving me some song lyrics to, or giving me some stuff to turn into a song on Facebook. So, see, I'll have to work on it. So, can you add multi generational move? Maybe might be able to collab in the cool surfer voice. <laughs> like that would be pretty cool. Um, uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I should be singing in a surfer voice, and I could sing better. Oh, I thought you were gonna say maybe you could sing your testimony. Uh. <laughs> No, because then people would have to get a testimony from being delivered after I did that. Uh, And so, all right, well, we are going to move into our first Bible question. We didn't get all of them done yesterday that was on the list, so we're going to finish those two out. And if you've got a Bible question or you want to engage with anything on the broadcast this morning, 270-230-6337 is my number to text. Again, that's 270-230. 230-6337 is the number to text, engage, interact, ask your Bible question, and we will give an honest attempt to answering that Bible question for you this morning on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. So the question on the table, and this one may take a while to really unpack it, what is it to live a spirit-led life? Well, the reason it's going to take a little while is it's very multifaceted to, to say this. First and foremost, for me, when I think of living a spirit-led life, I'm thinking, to first and foremost, 
it's a life, and I'm going to say this, it's a life according to the Word of God, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we talk about the Spirit-led life, we think of our heads in the cloud and we're just floating and just being led like a leash. But in the end of the day, the first and foremost thing, if we're ever going to walk in the Spirit, we're first and foremost walking in the Word. Because when Jesus said He's leaving in the Comforter, that the first thing they're going to do, He's I'm first thing He's going to do is bring to remembrance all that Jesus taught them. And then the second thing is he will teach them all things. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that Jesus really talked about with the Holy Spirit was that he was going to bring to remembrance all things that he has taught them. What is that? The Word. Yeah. And so for me, the first thing with walking in the Spirit and living a Spirit-led life is to be a believer who is founded on the Word. Amen. So. And see, I don't want to stray too far on this, but... I have heard opinions of how can how do I word this? Um, like so, an opinion that leading a spirit led life, living a spirit led life, mm-hmm. um, is actually separate than the word. Like in the in the regard of I've heard like well, like you know, you have to hear. Which is true. I mean, we should be hearing from the Holy Spirit. But everything that we hear from the Holy Spirit should should be lining up with the Word. Um, but I've had conversations or I've heard, you know, different ones. I've um, heard of different people um, kind of minimize the importance of the Word. And mm-hmm. saying that, like, well, they heard from the Holy Spirit then. Like, the Word was inspired by the Holy Spirit to those men that wrote the Word. So we should, um, we should be seeking that more than just focusing completely on the word. But I think that's very dangerous territory. Yeah. Um, so you want to kind of, (laughs) yeah, you're going to get me in trouble. Um, have you heard this though? Oh, for sure. Oh, sure. All time. What it really is. I'm going to, I'm going to do two things and I'm going to say these two things, but as a pastor know that. I say this in love, and I do not say this in condemnation. But usually what I see when those when somebody says those that word, that like we really don't need the word, we need to be led by the Spirit. And to be led by the Spirit is not following the word, really. It's just we've got to hear for the Holy Spirit for ourselves. Is One of two things is usually happening. And I'm just going to say this very nicely, but I'm going to say it truthfully. Rebellion and laziness are the two things that mark those statements usually. They are, they, they don't want to submit to the word. They want to submit to just something that they want. And a lot of times, if, if you say the word is not important or the word doesn't have as much weight and that I just need to hear right now. Well, I think that's almost grieving the spirit of God, mm-hmm. because when you say the word isn't important, you are saying the revelation of the Holy Spirit to these men is not important. Yeah. And see, that's what I've heard more is like, I've heard from people that like, yes, like we, we should read what we talked about the other day, the red letters, like we should pay attention to what Jesus said himself, but you know, what Paul said and like everything after that isn't, it's just men that heard from the Holy Spirit. So why can't we hear, like, I've heard these things, these Mm -hmm. conversations, 
Um, and I think that's the thing is like, I don't think I've heard anybody doubt Jesus's words. Like, I don't think I've really ever heard anyone say that that's not important, but I've heard it said with like the new test or like the early church mm-hmm. and yeah. scripture. And I just think that's very dangerous because I mean, we have to believe that all scripture is inspired. Yes. And that it's a revelation of Jesus. So it is Jesus speaking yeah. to us. All scriptures breathe out, 2 Timothy 3.16, by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You say, well, that's scripture. So some people would say, well, that's Jesus' words. That's that. I want to, I want to, it's going to take me a second to get there for the exact reference. Um, <clears throat> but Peter, one part, and I need to find the scripture reference calls Paul's writing scripture. Um second Peter three sixteen, I think's where it's at. Um I need to make sure I had this exact reference. Let me pull over and see if this is what I'm looking for here. Um let's first back up to fifteen and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also write to you according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these manners. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Mm. So Peter's talking to Paul here, saying there's things in Paul's writing that's hard to understand, and that the the unlearned or the ignorant and the unwise will use to twist. And Peter says this statement, as they do with the other scriptures so he's basically telling us what here that paul's writings to be considered scripture mm-hmm. because when he says as he does with other scriptures that means that this is including in the scripture and it's comparable to the other scripture that's being written as well and so peter right there even speaks of paul's writings as scripture and if paul's writings called scripture by peter and all scripture is god breathed then what do we think we should learn from that? Is that Peter's calling Paul's writing inspired. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really get around the fact that it's not just the red letters. We need the whole New Testament. Yes. And we've got to trust God that he will, he has preserved and he has got the 27 books in the New Testament and the 39 books in the Old Testament that we are supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't need any more outside source revelation. It's the revelation that I need is in the word. Now, he will never do or reveal something contrary to the word. Like, he'll never will. So, um, for instance, we have seen a lot of people baptized twice. Now, I've been asked about that quite a bit. And some people have been baptized three, four, five, six times. And I've been asked about that. And I said, look, I cannot find me give given me permission or no permission in the scripture. I can't find it. Like there's no scripture that forbids it. And there's really no scripture that encourages it, but we can look at something like that and see the fruits, not contrary to anything. Like we see the power of God being manifest in the scripture. We see this happening. I mean, I mean, when people's baptized multiple times, we see miracles happening and all that. So I don't think the devil's doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, the fruit, I think, is there. Um, the same thing with we don't find music in the New Testament. But we do find in the Old Testament. You know, but in the New Testament, we don't find music in any church. But, but So 
do we take music out like some people? No, I don't think so at all. I think the fruit is still there. And I think where we see music is used by God, music is powerful. And in the Old Testament, there was people that went through multiple baptisms. There was times that the guy went and dipped himself in the river. There was those times that was outside of just believer baptism. Mm -hmm. And Jews baptize a lot. So, like, I'm only saying this to say that Will everything that we're doing be in Scripture? No, but the basis of everything we have to be done is from Scripture. And to walk in the Spirit-led life, the foundation and the safety net and the accountability to walk in that is found in Scripture. Because if we don't have Scripture as the basis for everything, we will fall off a cliff. And there will be a time you say the Lord's telling you to do something and the Lord's not even talking to you at that moment. Like, you're telling yourself to do it. And what happens is then at that point, it could very well be contradicting Scripture. Aaron, prove it. Thank you. Joseph Smith. I mean, he's a perfect example of Mormonism. He feels like he's hearing the voice of God, but he's not obeying Scripture. And whenever he heard, like, whenever he felt like he heard the verse, voice of God, then he created four basically sacred writings, created a cult, created a polygamous cult, did all of these crazy things, said that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. He was a Son of God, but not the Son of God. And now we see today even still the cultish-type atmosphere. And why? Because one man thought, well, I'll just hear from God without staying in the Word. And yeah. you just see how dangerous that is. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person who thinks walking in the Spirit is separate from walking in the Word, you are deceived. Amen. Uh, and I say that in love. And I find a lot of times the two things that mark that kind of attitude is rebellion because they don't want to submit to anything. They want themselves to be the final authority on everything. Or they're just lazy and don't get in the Word. And I know that sounds mean, but there's really no other true statement around it. It's just... Yeah, it's true. If If you love Christ, you love His Word. If you're walking in the Spirit, you know His Word. Because that is the... Um, the counterbalance to everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm fearful. And I'm going to shut up, Hannah, because I'm just talking away here. I'm fearful when I see somebody get on a kick for something, like this trend, trend thing that happened in the church all the time. I'm fearful because what I see a lot is people run with what people say, and they don't take it back to Scripture. Mm-hmm. So like on these deliverance teachings that we're doing on Wednesday nights to talk more about this, that's why... I said two Derek Prince quotes last Wednesday, two. And then everything else I said was based strictly right from Scripture. And I'm doing that on purpose because I don't, I don't want to know and I don't want what other men to say, are saying to be the basis for what I believe. I need Scripture to be the basis. Mm-hmm. Because if we're setting trends off of men's opinion, those trends will be only trans and then never produce fruit because man can't produce what Jesus can because Jesus is the producer of fruit. Amen. And if we're going to produce what Jesus tells us to produce, it's because we're pointing people to Scripture. And when I preach, I want to point people to Scripture. I don't want them I don't want them to be pointed to me. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I, I really don't have to under I really don't have to worry about people being impressed by my intellect or my ability to speak because I have neither of those. Um, I just want to point everybody back to scripture. That's mm-hmm. all I want to do. I want I want us to get into the word. And when listening to teachings or, you know, people who make videos on the make teaching videos on these things or something, they should always be pointing us to scripture. Every time. Um and there it should not just be 
talking, talking, talking with no scripture. And I think yeah. that's a good way to judge who we should be listening to and who we shouldn't as well. Yes. Even people that aren't well-known. I mean, even people in our life that maybe we listen to a lot, but are they pointing us back to the word or back to Jesus? You know, yeah, it's a good. Uh, br- I will say one thing. Uh, Brother Ron used to always say, like, every book written that you read should point you back to Scripture. And if it's not pointing you back to Scripture, you probably shouldn't be reading that book. And I always thought that was a good saying. Um, Brother Wells says, this is why we try the spirits and his word is how we try them. I, I got 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not wise or smart enough to try a spirit within Aaron's intellect. Like, when I look at something, I'm looking at the word. All right, well, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Are, is this person exemplifying the fruit first and foremost? Is what they're saying contradicting Scripture at the least little bit? And this is why it's important to get Scripture in us, because if somebody comes up and gives you a word or a prophetic word or something like this, you should have enough word in you to know if that prophetic word is even remotely true, because if somebody comes up and prophesies something over you that is not biblically accurate, just throw the word away immediately. But if you're not found on the word, anything will sound good for your itching ears. Mm-hmm. And this is why the word is so important. Um, Josh Newton says, God is never changing. If it pleased him, then it will please him now. Love it. Yes. Um, God doesn't change. So his word yesterday is the word today. And his word today is the word tomorrow. His word never changes. And he had to, I mean, he, he will um, guard his word and his name. I mean, he, he just guards himself. He guards his word. He will perform his word. He makes sure his word is going to be done. If you look at all the prophecies fulfilled over Jesus, you see how much he just guarded his word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I meet people like that a lot. Well, you just, um, especially when I get into like theological stuff sometimes, and I try not to like on a Sunday morning. I, I try to stay where we're all running together. Um, but if you ever get you, when you start going deep on some things and start to expound and um, start to really pull things out of the text, some people say, well, I don't know why we need all that. We just need to pray and trust the Holy Spirit to teach us exactly what he wants to. And I've, I also want to guard against like not allowing men to teach. Like, I think it's very important for people to teach because God's given us the gift to teach and expound the word. But. I don't want the wisdom of man. Mm-hmm. I need the wisdom of God, and I need you teaching me the wisdom of God. I need you to teach me the word. I don't need you to teach me your opinions and your yeah. soapbox. I think the most important thing is it's just not enough. It's not enough for us to just pray. Yeah. It's not enough for us to just pray and hear from what we think to be the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's never the Holy Spirit if we're not reading our word, but if we're not reading our word... And not having that biblical basis, then there's really no way for us to know 100% that what we're hearing is right and be be accountable and um, yeah, all that stuff. Well, I mean, I know for me personally, and I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to other people, but for me, a lot of times he speaks in his word to me. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm trying to pray through a situation or guidance, he'll bring up scriptures, he'll bring up this, he'll bring re- remembrance what this happened or this parable or something like this. And he uses the word. And when he uses the word, I feel so much more confident because it's never changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, like, I understand to an extent, like, 
when you're first really diving into your word, like the Holy Spirit has spoken to me in ways that aren't the word, but it's still like I will find scripture that will then confirm what he spoke, even though it wasn't just a straight scripture, Mm -hmm. but like the thing that was being spoken lined up still with scripture, if that makes sense. Because sometimes it's not an actual straight scripture, but then I will find a scripture that goes along with what it is. Yeah. Like one time there was something like, wanting to plant me like a tree or like, you know, like something about my roots, like firmly plant like a tree. And then I found a scripture. I think it was in Jeremiah Mm -hmm. that exactly was talking about the same exact thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, Because he, he's actually using scripture and you don't even realize it. Yeah. Um, Because I didn't have it memorized. You know, like I didn't know that it was scripture at that point because I hadn't dug deep into that scripture. That happens to me a lot. Um, but then you will find a lot that it will confirm yep. it. When he starts using Old Testament scriptures, I struggle sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I understand my, I'm, I I mean, I am definitely know the Old Testament, but not like I do the New Testament. So I'm trying to to even the balance it out. Like I still, I'm still got it in the mission to go deep into Isaiah one of these days. I don't know why, just that one book I want to go to and I haven't got to go to yet. Um, Brother Well says he ex- he has exalted his word above his name. Yes, and he said it is impossible to be filled with his spirit and not be filled with his word. I really don't know if you can separate them. I don't think you can either. Like I think they just go together. And so I know we'll get more into walking in this, being led by the spirit, and living a spirit led life after the break. But I wanted to set that precedence because I feel like when you talk about having a spirit led life, so many people try to separate that from being studious in the in the word of God. But I don't think you can. I agree, Brother Wells. I don't think you can separate those two because I think they have to go together. Because if the if your spirit-led life is based upon any other thing than the Word and contradicting the Word, you're not living a spirit-led life. You're living a flesh-led life or a deception-led life. But if you're, if the Spirit of God is in you, He's always going to bring you back to the Word. He is. Even in the new thing, it's always going to line up with the Word. And as much as you are filled with this word, you will be filled with the spirit. I, I believe that the more we're in tune with the word, the more receptive and confidence we have that we're being filled and filled and revealed to us the word of God. Now, what the Holy Spirit does, and I don't we got to take a break, hard break, but when we're reading a scripture, the Holy Spirit will begin to teach us that. He'll be able to expound on it. He'll be able to show us mysteries, and that's why... You know, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I think in that moment, the spirit of God will take the word and let it become alive and start teaching. So we'll we'll talk more on the spirit led life now when we get back here. Let me read this second trivia question. Uh, The that's the wrong page. That's last week's Um, Wednesday question. Number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. Whose children were destroyed when a strong wind struck the house? They were having a banquet. Whose children were destroyed when a strong wind struck the house? They were having a banquet at 270-257-2689. We will be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Welcome back in on this beautiful August the 30th, 2023 edition of mornings of box two radio remember this is the only 
August 30th, 2023, you'll ever have. So make the most of it for the glory of Christ and to exalt his name in all the earth. We have an answer for our trivia question. This is the morning of co-host. Um, it is Greg Carwile got that right. Whose children were destroyed when a strong wind struck the house? They were having a banquet. Job. Now, there was three others who got that question right, too, but Greg got in there quick. <laughs> um, Josh says that Josh Milburn cheated earlier, though, because the app is about three or four seconds behind, and Josh was basically in the building and outside when he called in in the truck. So he said that he didn't had no delay, and that's the only reason that he got a jump start on him. <laughs> All right, so um, Josh Miller really didn't cheat. Just but he did know. still call in, so we technically that's that's right. He was he had was, to he, it. he called in. He called in from outside. Uh, he's never placed foot in the building before. He called in that morning, <laughs> um, and so but um, that the poor listeners on the app they do have a about a three second delay. So you know. It is what it is. We can't but help it. you that. have a lot of other benefits on the app. You know, you can keep listening. Yeah. See? At, listening at any location. Yeah, that's... See, Hannah's just trying to be positive <laughs> out there to you guys. Um, hey, I just can't... I can't let the app get... <laughs> trashed, yeah. Trashed, yeah. Yeah, we worked hard on that app. Um, <laughs> Hannah worked a lot harder than I did on it, so... But that's going to be Job. Again, congratulations, Brother Greg. Gets his name in the drawing. We're talking about presently at this present time being led by the Spirit, what it is to live a Spirit-led life. First and foremost, a Spirit-led life is a life in the Word, 100%. Like, you've got to get in the Word. Uh, people probably get tired of us hearing hearing that all the time, saying that all the time, and hearing it from us all the time, but it's there's just, it's true. Like, you can't get around it. Like, if we're going to be Christ-like, we're going to be in the Word because the Word reveals Christ to us. And if we're ever going to be conformed to the image of the Son, really we're being conformed in the, into what the Word's telling us to be. And James even talks about this. If we look into the Word and we see the Word in all of its glory, but yet we don't become and transform into what the Word's telling us to do, we're just hears the Word and not doers of the Word. Mm-hmm. And we're, lock, we're looking into this perfect mirror but yet we're not willing to change. And I don't know why I just started thinking about this, but like for me growing up as a kid, like there were multiple people that in my life or around me that would manipulate the word and twist the word. I don't even think they realized it, but like now that I'm going back to the word, I'm realizing that a lot of things that, you know, people would say, maybe somebody taught them the same thing. Maybe somebody taught them uh, maybe a twisted version of, of the word instead of really digging into it, letting the Holy Spirit teach and getting down to the, you know, the um, Greek and the Hebrew um, and really seeing like what, what these verses mean. But I think that can discourage people um, from getting into the word when you it seems like it just doesn't make sense um, because maybe you've had you've listened to some false teachers or listened to some teachers that really just didn't know what they were. Maybe they were deceived. Um, but I just want to say that it when we get into the Word and we spend time with the Lord in the Word ourselves, that's when things start making sense. That's when things start clearing up. That's when things start really starting to help us because we can't rely on somebody else's interpretation. We just can't. Um, Because a lot of times, you know, if someone else didn't really get into the word themselves and they just heard it from another teacher, then it's going to get 
watered. It's going to get kind of muddy water. Sooner so. or later, yeah. Uh, Lisa Ashball said, Brother On always said, no delay. Um, we have no delay on live radio, but there is about three to four or five second delay on the app. Um, but there's probably not enough delay to cut it off as something was said that wasn't supposed to be said or something. So um, let's see here. Joey said that, yes, we do have a delay. And he said, ask my dog what's two minus two. He said nothing. Uh, <laughs> and then he sent me the pictures of the maple bacon donuts, which are very good. Um, I've had those. Now, before we continue the spirit-led life, though, there is one thing I've got to cover. One listener talked about it that they heard us mention that music is not mentioned in the New Testament. I read about music in Ephesians 5.19. I am aware that it was it says speaking to yourselves, but where would you learn spiritual songs if not in the church? All right, so let me just clarify that statement. There, Ephesians talks about singing. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is there's never an instrument mentioned. Um, but, I mean, of course... We singing pl- is music. Yeah, but. singing is music. So there is music in that sense. But as for instrumental music, we don't find that mentioned in the New Testament. But I think, like Josh said, if it pleased the Lord in the Old Testament, it pleased the Lord still today because he never changes. And so I'm 100%, uh, I'll even stress, Father, I'm a 1,000% believing that music and instruments are very much godly and permissible in any church services. Um. I'm just. I was just using an example as the New Testament didn't specifically say you need a bass guitar, an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar, drums, and a piano, mm-hmm. and you need all this. And then you can add trombone, you can add a saxophone, you can add all this. But this is how you play. He doesn't do this. But mm-hmm. and you know, um, I still hear people say that like electric guitar shouldn't be in a church service or something like that. And, I mean, there's whole denominations that believe that no instruments because yeah. of because they're not mentioned. But then, like, when you really listen, I've listened a little bit to, like, their reasoning behind that, and they say they would rather, it's almost like a, a like, a earning, like, earning favor with the Lord because they, basically what I listened to was that they would rather, um, make sure that they're okay with God and not have the music rather than having the music and then jeopardize being right with the Lord. Yep. Even though they have really no basis other than it not being included in the New Testament. But Yeah. Um, I think it's more than permissible. I love music. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. Um, I can say with confidence, I can play music better than i can sing music um nobody disagrees with that that's not saying much so uh you know it is what it is but i love to hear instruments and i think hearing instruments for godly purposes for me personally if i have a prayer time i would much rather pray to instrumental than to actual words Mm -hmm. and so like i don't think there's anything demonic about instruments and music and so but i don't know i just i I just use that as an example for the whole, um, you know, just because it's not pointedly said in the scripture doesn't mean we're not allowed to do it. Now, if it's pointedly said we can't do it, then we need to hear about that. But um, the New Testament never says you can or can't have piano in a church. Mm -hmm. So um, good, good question. I like that. But I mean, I know music's mentioned spiritual songs, psalm. All of these, but that was singing 
we actually never had instruments as far as I know in, mentioned in the New Testament. So so let's continue just a little bit more onto this spirit of life because first we got in the Word. Now we definitely do have to have a prayer life though. So you you really, you don't, you don't have, if you have a strong word life, you will have a strong prayer life. And if you have a strong prayer life, you should have a long, strong word life because the greatest way to pray is praying the word. And I'm not saying that the only way you can pray is through scripture, but there's a lot of times that I will pray and I'm using scripture to lead my prayer. I have a question. So do you think that, I mean, there's different ways of praying in the spirit. Sure. But do you think praying the word could be a way of praying in the spirit? Well, all right. For me, when you got, when you start talking about praying in the spirit, I think for a long time, we've just confined that to praying in tongues. I don't believe that's really what it means. I think to pray in the spirit is praying in tuned with the Holy spirit. Who's in, who's living inside of you. And I think there's going to be sometimes that Roman tells us that, Praying in the spirit could be groanings. You ever, I've been praying before and I can't get out a word. Like, I'm just like, oh, or, or, you know, like crying so hard or something like that. Like, I believe those are spiritual groanings. I believe those are spiritual times. Now, I don't want to go like off in the left field with that to where the only, then we move from, well, praying in the spirit's tongues now to praying in the spirit's groaning. I mean, like, I think it's so many different facets. I think, Praying in the Spirit can be praying the Word. I think it can be praying. I think, really, for me, when I think of praying in the Spirit, I'm just thinking that I'm praying in tune with who the Holy Spirit is. Mm -hmm. And I'm praying according to the will of God. So, But we can look at that Scripture real fast, praying in the Spirit, and look at the context. I just think it kind of goes along with living a Spirit-led life because, I mean, the Word and our prayer life is two big portions we've talked about with living a Spirit-led life. So praying in the Spirit would Mm -hmm. be part of that um let me f- get to this exact scripture reference um okay here we go um i'm i've got a list in front of me and they're going to all be the esv so um romans eight twenty six. likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words I think that's a real aspect of it. Ephesians 6, 8, praying all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. Well, Paul's telling us to pray at praying at all times in the spirit. Well, we know that can't be exclusive just to be praying in tongues because other parts that he says is not to pray in tongues that we should prophesy or we should do something else. So we know that can't be that this praying in the spirit is exclusive just to tongues. Because there he's telling us to pray all times in the Spirit. I think there it's another indicator that we're to pray at all times in tune and in communion with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us how to pray, teach us to pray, because the disciples asked Jesus how to teach them to pray. And I think it's it's learning who he is and allowing him to guide us. Uh, Jude one twenty. but you, beloved, building yourself in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. Um, first Corinthians four fifteen. what am I to do? Well, I will pray in, with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Also, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Also, um, now that one could be alluding more to a spiritual language because some, I think he's saying there, I'm praying with my intellect and I'm going to pray with the spirit too. I think there's two, but then I don't think that even necessarily has to become 
strictly just a prayer language. I I am a prayer language guy. Like I believe in tongues, but I I want us to break the box of this is the only way we're really ever tapping into the spirit is if we're praying in tongues because I think we can do it more than just that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Um, and if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Um, I think again, that's why I said again in first four chapter 14 15 that one i think he is alluding more to tongues because in the context of what that is in first corinthians 14 but then if you go back up to ephesians 6 praying all times in the spirit well i know we're not always praying in tongues because paul even talked about that um a little bit earlier in first corinthians 14 actually because he talks about prophecy what is it good if we all just come and talk in tongues what was the first verse the romans one that talked about 826 um yeah 826 uh, I'm, I'm looking at some more here. Um, I'm, I'm just making sure I covered the big ones, but I, I think praying in the spirit, I think part of praying in the spirit is definitely tongues, mm-hmm. but I think praying in the spirit is bigger than just exclusivity to tongues. I think it's mm-hmm. just because of, well, Romans eight, there's groanings. Yeah, and it says too deep for words. Mm-hmm. So that would have been what you were talking about earlier when you just can't get any words out. Yes. And then um, I think when we really start to learn the word, we learn to understand who Jesus is first and foremost, who the Father is, what, how, they, how, how he thinks, how he operates, what his heartbeat is. And then by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will reveal the Son and conform us into it. And I think when we're willing to surrender even our prayer life to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me how to pray over this. Show me what to do. Um, So when I back up, like before I start laying hands on people on an altar, I'll back up and say, Holy Spirit, you pray through me. Use me. Guide me. Show me. I don't want to just make my way down the the line and pray for everybody. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be led by your spirit in my, in my prayer life in prophesying. And I may step back and pray in my prayer language because it does edify me. Um, but when I get up to him, I'm not, I'm still praying. I believe in the spirit, but I'm not maybe praying in tongues because I am praying in tune with what the spirit of God wants to do. Um, and I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that. And I'm okay with that because I mean, I just don't see where scripture gives the exclusivity to just praying in the spirit is tongues. Mm-hmm. That's just me. But I will. So, you know, you talk about praying in your prayer language edifies you. Uh huh. Like edifies. That's what Paul talks about. Your yeah. spirit edifies. It builds you up. Builds you up. Um, I, I don't, haven't studied this out, but is, do you think there's an equivalent of that for people who don't speak in tongues? Yeah, I mean, I think you can build yourself up regardless. Because even we just read, you know, build yourself up in most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. And I think that, um, I think a prayer language is great, but I don't think it's like the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I can sit there in my known language praying, mm-hmm. Lord, build praying me up. in the Spirit. Yes, Spirit of God, build Before me up. Uh, encourage, uh, you know, because really it's just edifying edification, building yourself up. And the Spirit of God will do that. And I believe the Spirit of God can pray through you. 
um, to, you know, or even use you to pray the right prayers. God, um, reveal to me exactly where I need to grow at. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you and then start to pray. I think there's a lot of ways to just build yourself up in the in, through your prayer life. Um, and building yourself up is not necessarily giving yourself pats on the back. It's saying, fix me, mode me, shape me. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're praying those prayers anyway, the Holy Spirit will use that and connect with it. And um, he'll start to do it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's where I'm just like, you know, because um, I have a lot of, brothers and sisters in Christ that don't speak in a prayer, have a prayer language. Um, some of them don't even believe in a prayer language, but yet I still believe that they are, they love Jesus and stuff like that. So like, I think tongues is an open-handed issue. And I think that's why I walk such care, so carefully on it because I do believe in them, but I'm not going to die on the hill every time. I'm not going to die on every hill trying to defend them or guard them and also, I don't want people to feel like they're spiritually inept because they don't speak in tongues. And I feel like that's a lot of what the charismatic and the Pentecostal movement has done for a little while. If you don't speak in tongues, you're spiritually handicapped. But yet, Paul tells us not everyone's going to speak in tongues. I mean, that's really what Paul said, not not me. So it's not like I'm trying to produce some kind of doctrine. It's just what Paul said. Um, but... If you go back to Acts, there is parts where they were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. But then there was that time when, like in Ephesus, I believe it was, when the Holy Spirit filled them and they they prophesied. I think it's just the outward manifestation of what the Spirit of God is doing internally. And I think that looks different all the time because I don't walk in the same gifts day to day. I don't. I mean, like, there might be sometimes... I walk in the gifting of pastoring a lot more than I do anything else. And there's some days that um, like we've had prayer meetings and we, we prayed over each person and um, we prophesied over each person like different prophecies. I'm not going to go around saying I'm prophetic or I'm prophet. I just know that God will use different people in different gifts at different time. And um, there's some people that spoke in tongues one time in their life and that's all. There's some people that's never have. And I don't think, and there's some people who do it all the time. I think that's the thing we got to be careful of is, well, if you do it all the time, you're very spiritually mature. And if you're not, well, you're just spiritually inept. I just, I feel like that's really a tactic of the enemy to try to, to, to try to tear down, cause division, cause confusion. And because even prophecy is there to edify, build up, and give the full counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are creating something that becomes a spiritual, spiritual ineptness or a spiritual deficiency saying, unless you pray like me, you're not there. Well, that's kind of hypocrisy and that self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to sound like Pharisees and Sadducees. I think we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do in our lives what each of us are called to do and stop trying to be like each other. Um, because and that happens by getting in the Word, mm-hmm. having a prayer life, and praying in the Spirit. Yeah. And uh, being led by the spirit in prayer. Yeah. Now that leads me to the next thing though. It really is a segue. And this was unattended because after the, well, I don't know. We really don't have to take a break Um, because I kind of want to keep this flow because you're moving from that where, you know, if we're in, in the spirit, walk by the spirit in the word. But really the third thing I was like, I really feel impressed to say walking in the spirit is, is walking a life of humility. Hmm. Uh, first, it's word. Second, it's prayer. 
but we have to walk a life and live a life of humility if we're ever going to be spirit-led people. Yeah. Um, and that's what dying to ourself really is. And it is very difficult. I don't think that, I don't know if that's always, that always comes across. Like dying to ourself when you really think about it, it is walking in humility. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's always what we first think about when we think of dying to ourselves. Because I think we think of dying to our desires when we think yeah. of dying to self. But a big desire that I think people don't talk about or want to admit is being the desire to be right. Mm-hmm. The desire to, you know, to... Um, I just think that's a big one. Yeah. Even it, if you don't feel like you're being proper, but just being right about something or um, being in the right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've been... Um, a a criticism of myself that somebody's gave me one time and I I took it to heart. I I usually do take criticism to heart. Like I will I will what I always try to do with it is hear it and if there's something I need to learn, I'll try to learn it. And if there's nothing to learn and they're just being critical for the sake of critical is being critical, then I just let it fly off. But I usually I usually think about it for a day or two and let it permeate 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 my heart is that right um and make sure there there isn't truth in it and if there is truth i want to hear it if there's no truth and they're just being mean i'll just kind of let it go after a day or two and let it fly but one of the things that's been said about me is that i won't engage in confrontation always and i and i just kind of agree and walk away and i say well it's not about condoning what the person's saying i just i want to have wisdom when i pick my battles because at the end of the day i don't need to be right about everything and there's sometimes in my life that I'm going, and I, you see this a lot on Facebook, you see this a lot on your keyboard warriors that sit at home in their mama's basement and don't know how to interact with anybody, don't know how to edify anybody, they just want to prove everybody wrong. And what happens is you get in these debates that are endless. There's never going to be a solution. There's never going to be anything amounts anything. There's only going to be hostility, arguing, bitterness, and division. It's not going to produce anything whatsoever. To me, that's casting pearl before swine. And I want to be wise because at the end of the day, the only reason I'm going to engage in that debate is try to prove that I'm right. Mm-hmm. And what is that at the end of the day? Pride. And I think to walk a life of humility for me is walking a life to realize it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole thing is bigger than me. Christianity does not rest on Aaron's shoulders. It does not rest on Hannah's shoulders, not rest on the Box 2 radio. It rests upon Christ, upon his shoulders, is built the kingdoms. And I mean, for me, a life of humility and walking in the Spirit is realizing that I want to lay everything down so that he can use me in every way possible. Because this thing isn't about my desires. It's not about my wants. It's not about my bank account. It's not about my my prestige. It's not about my position. You can have all of that. Just give me Jesus. Amen. And let me be used by Jesus. And let me be conformed to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. And to me, you cannot walk in the Spirit if you're not willing to walk a humbled life. Yeah. I just, I think they're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think you're right with the statement of dying to self. Most of the time we, we equate dying to self as stop sinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stop doing that. Well, that's called crucifying the flesh. 
But I think dying to self and following Jesus is I'm putting my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. Yeah. It's... And a lot of dying to self really, like, flesh, yeah, like you said, crucifying the flesh is a lot of, like, those outward things. Like, don't look at that. Don't listen to that. Don't do that. Don't like, put that finger up in the car traffic. <laughs> don't say that word. Yeah, like, that stuff is more obvious things. Yes. But dying to ourself and walking in humility is those things that are, like, internal a lot. Like, the pride thing. Like, we don't always have to be right. Be slow, being slow to speak, slow to anger, not stu- not not giving in to bitterness, not stewing, not thinking negative thoughts all the time about everything. Like those things are, we don't like to talk about them because they're not those outward sins, but they're still like, that's part of being humble because it's, it's just completely having our eyes on Jesus, not being like, not being self-centered in any way. Yeah. Really? Well, I think one of the greatest definitions of humility I ever heard was not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. Because I think sometimes we have this ideology that humility is downgrading yourself or I'm filthy or I'm this, and I'm just going to like trash myself and call it humility. Well, that's really false humility. And it's really nothing other than just being a bully to your own self. Think, or seeking validation. Yeah, or people. seeking validation. You're right. Um, and um, But real humility is just thinking of yourself less often. Um, one of the things that really help you to do that is becoming a parent. Um, because when you have to wake up in the middle of the night to change a diaper or feed a baby, you're, you want to sleep, but you realize there's somebody else dependent on you. Mm-hmm. And, like, for me, I say... I understand this. Like I, I, I am. I was tagged so many times in that post. Whenever your pastor says hard things behind the pulpit, <laughs> like I, I do understand. I say really hard things. Like I'm probably like I say a lot more difficult things behind the pulpit than most pastors ever dream of saying. I get that, and that's not a bragging thing. I, I don't know why I do it. Like it just comes out. But at the end of the day, my intention to do that is not to tear down. It's to build up. And I'm not trying to impress you. And I think a lot of times what pastors want to do when they preach, because I hear it and I even hear it in their voice a lot, they're trying to impress you. They're trying to impress you and let them know how good of a speaker you are, how much Bible you really know or anything like that. My intent when I preach is to grow people. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's literally my heartbeat. When I go behind a pulpit, I want to help grow people. And I want to push us to grow. I want to push us to mature. I don't want to impress you. I don't want you to leave and say, what an awesome sermon. I don't want you to leave and say anything other than this. I felt like I was stretched this morning. And to me, that's even an act of humility. Because I'm just laying it out there. And I get disliked by people because I say hard things. And we have people that leave and come back and leave and come back and People will say, you're too loud, you're too this, you're not this, you don't do this, and all of these things. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not here for you, like, to be impressed by me. I'm not here for me, actually. I'm here for you. I am here for you because I want to help grow you. Because if the words grow on me, it's probably going to grow you too. And I think when we just start thinking of everybody around us and everything we do um, – and how we present ourselves, and what we're saying, and the actions that we take, the words that we say, and the places that we go, 
it's just like that sermon from Friday. Everything that we're feeding, somebody's eating. Mm-hmm. And humility is thinking about that. See, and that's why, like, I don't understand either, um, like, the Lone Rangers in the kingdom that we talked about, like, being like the being a lone ranger like it's just me and jesus out here chill <laughs> we're just out here in the wilderness or we're you know we're just gonna chill like because i don't see anywhere where jesus just never came back around people like yes he had to get away like we have to get away <laughs> we we need to get away with the lord but i don't see anywhere where jesus just like was always away and just isolated from people like mm-hmm. He was, people were drawn to him everywhere he went. People were drawn to him and he would stop what he was doing to think about not himself, but the whole group of people around him or even the disciples around him. Like he was always looking out for everybody around him. He was always looking out for the sheep. Yeah. I mean, he will literally go and leave the 99 and for the one like, and we're called to be like that. Like we don't just get a free pass to say, well, that's just Jesus and we're not, Mm -hmm. we we can't ever live up to that because, I mean, we're supposed to be conformed, what, conformed into the image of the sun. Yeah. And that's the image of the sun is thinking less of ourselves and more of everybody else around us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. Like, I'm not trying to put, like, extreme condemnation on people. What I'm trying to say is it is tough, but I don't think you can walk in the spirit as a spirit-led life and not walk a life of humility. Yeah. Because um, I remember, like, when I was young— uh, the thing I want to do is just play professional golf the rest of my life. I was like, I'm going to do it. Now I needed to learn to putt a lot better, but I had the rest of it down. Like I, I could, I could play. Like I, I knew I could play cause I worked really hard at it. And I remember when the opportunity presented itself to maybe possibly go towards that direction, I had to lay it down. Like I laid it down because I knew what God was taking me to and I couldn't do both. And then I laid down golf for a long time. And then like two years ago, I picked it back up and it was starting to consume me again. I was playing all the time. I was getting out there. Um, You know, there was one time that I got really upset on the golf course and I didn't like throw a club or say anything bad, but I just took my, and it's like this group of guys that I was trying to witness. I was really trying to be a witness to a lot of times out there, but I took my club and I just kind of, beat it on the ground nothing extreme it wasn't like ah, broke it on my head or anything like that I just kind of uh, hit it on the ground like that mad and you could see the frustration you could see all that and I was just like man I am not being a good witness so I walked up to these guys in the green and I said I want to apologize for you know beating my club against the ground right there it was that's not who I want to be that's not who I want to show you I want to show you and exemplify Christ and all these guys were like Aaron, did you just see what we did? Like, did you see what we did? And here's, did you hear what we said on that last hole? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want to, I want to, I want to show you all what it is to be Christ-like. And I mean, I wasn't like trying to be prideful. It was just like, I, I realized something there. Like, I was trying to pick something up that God asked me to surrender. Mm. And, yeah. and I still was struggling with that. And I think, honestly, I know it sounds really goofy, but looking back on all of this, I think it was the Lord allowing me to break my wrist. I mean, I shattered my wrist playing softball. Hmm. And I've not really picked up a golf club. And I I mean, now I'm back out for like a year and a half or so like this. But I know like in my, in my desires, if it was my choice, I would go play golf every day. Every single day. I still would do it. But that would be me. 
and I would miss so many opportunities to minister to somebody. I am not sitting here saying it's sinful to go play golf. I am telling you it'd be sinful for me to go play golf every day mm-hmm. because of what he's called me to. And I think that's where we start to walk this life of humility. And this humility is not like, oh, life is so horrible. It's just awful. humility is saying there's bigger things to this picture than you and what you want to do. And we as Americans struggle with this for one reason. We are driven by entertainment. Mm-hmm. Our whole life is supposed to be entertainment. If we're not being entertained all the time, something's wrong. Entertained and comfortable. Yes. <laughs> those two things. And you do not have them. And those two things are not even in the gospel. No. Like, those things are just completely... I mean, we have fun. Like, we are we are in the middle of a move of God right now. We're seeing life change. We're seeing people impacted. But we're still able to go to the fair and fellowship and hang out and fun. Like, I'm not saying you're just, you never do that kind of stuff. I'm just saying it changes when you do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And everything becomes more moderation. So even last night when there was a group of us at the fair together, how many, how many people did we run into just from church? A lot. Yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot of people. I don't know how many. But something I'm noticing is like American entertainment is like more self-serving. Like yeah. self-pleasure. Um, um all of those things. But something I'm noticing, like with the Lord, even like it's about fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really just about, oh, let me just go sit on the couch and watch TV or do my entertainment by myself and just serve myself. It's like when you are entertain, when you are having entertainment and like doing things together, having fun, it's usually with the point of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just want to go do it by yourself. Like, and that's the thing is like, I feel like with iPhones and TV and all these things that we have in America, like, it like kind of gets you isolated because you can have fun or not real fun, but you can be entertained by yourself. But when it switches to a kingdom mindset, it's not just about us. It's about fellowshipping with other believers, doing things together, spending time with our family, enjoying our family. Um, the things that God truly gave us. Yeah. As a gift. Yeah, I agree. And that's really what the Acts Church was doing in chapter 22. Cause it, I mean, chapter 2, because they were going house to house breaking bread, but they were also fellowshipping. So, like, there's nothing, there's nothing inherently evil about playing cards. Now, how you play cards, that could be evil. Like, if you're gambling half your house away or something like that. But <laughs> if, if me, you, Ethan, Heather, Jacob, Kirstie, and a couple other people, you know, just group of friends sits down and plays rummy together i don't know rook i don't know you know what i'm saying like there's nothing evil about that that can be fellowship and around that we can be talking about the lord we can be discussing the goodness of god we can do all this now if we start gambling with each other or something like that now we can start to talk about some sinfulness involved but there's nothing inherently about sitting down at the table and fellowshipping and playing now if that consumes your life and it will consume you and it's getting in the way of what god's called you to do but or if it's triggering you because if it's causing like anger to come out like how we were talking about earlier because some gay I mean not and again like Hannah's just saying that because she's competitive with Ethan I'm not trying <laughs> I'm not trying to be condemning I'm just saying like it's really not good if a, any game or any activity is causing argument yeah. like true argument like you know well, like little piddly stuff that's i mean you just yeah. joke around but i mean like actual anger like at that point well yeah <laughs> then it's bad fruit um well i mean it's like me and ethan we play we play no everybody at church knows this by this point because we always joking about it we play golf on the x ps5 every single wednesday night after church like we go there 
And it's just a time we 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 fry bologna egg and cheese sandwich every single Wednesday night after church and play for a little bit. All right, we've never even remotely got mad. Like, remotely. Like, we pick on each other. We laugh at each other. We miss hit a shot or say, oh, I hate that for you or something like that. But, like, it's just good fellowship. Like, it's fun. Now, we, we have a competition going. We, we, But, I mean, we're not, like, betting anything. It's just a friendly thing. And it's yeah. fellowship, though. But we end up talking about a lot of things, and we talk about that, spending time together. Those things are healthy. And walking in a humility, though, is realizing when it's not healthy, realizing when you need to get rid of it, realizing all this and realize there's a bigger picture to the thing. Um, I mean, and so I just don't think you can walk in the spirit absent of humility. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can. And I, people's probably looking for a lot more spiritual questions answered than that. But for me, it's just, I don't know how much more spiritual you get laying your life down. Is that technically a fruit of the spirit? Um, I mean, I, I could, I'm singing I, the song in my head. Sorry. I feel like it's like a clump of fruit. Well, like there's fruit that is in that in humility. Yeah, I think there definitely is because he tells us to humble ourselves a lot, and humility is a, I mean, humility who was, it was who Jesus was, um, and I would say like self control. If you go to self control, in the Greek that is really alluding to spirit control. Mm-hmm. So we're we're submitting ourselves to the spirit, to lead, guide, direct, and use us. Mm-hmm. control us spirit of god and to me that is almost an act of humility because yeah. i'm realizing this isn't about me this is yeah, this is greater that would be humility and i mean patience a lot of these things would go into that yeah it because would f- in order to have humility you have to have these things yeah and then to be kind is an act of humility because because i think this is what and i said this last sunday when it looks like fruit is being produced by an unbeliever it's almost always conditional mm-hmm Whenever fruit is being produced by a be- in a believer's life, it should be unconditional. Yeah, like have you ever watched the f- the switch flip on someone? <laughs> like the light switch, it's like really kind, really nice, and then just yeah, the the switch gets flipped, and it's just yeah, anger or you know all these other things. Yeah, and now, I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, um, I now I'm not saying that if you ever your flip ever switches, you're not saved or anything like that because I still get frustrated a lot. I mean, sometimes you get stressed out. Sometimes you're overwhelmed and you get, but I know what you're talking about. You're talking really like if you look, if you look up a little earlier in that, he talks about fits of anger where just out of nowhere you bust, you bust wide open and you're almost dangerous because of your fits of anger. Um, and, you know, talking about the conditional thing, because, you know, normally in a believer's, I mean, a believer who's walking in the spirit, it's not just going to be any old thing that's going to flip your switch. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be. I mean, if you're walking in the spirit, it's normally a compilation of things with yeah. a believer. Like normally it's like this, this thing happened, then that on top of that, then that on top of that. And then you explode if you've not given it to the Lord or you've been carrying it and not casting yeah. your cares, you know, like that's pretty typical for a believer yeah but for an unbeliever a lot of times it's immediate yeah oh yeah i got you quick to anger instead of slow to anger i'll use an example i'll tell them i'm transparent here i'm i'm a transparent guy i people have said i'm too transparent sometimes but um like a couple sunday mornings ago i was changing a light bulb i was trying to get all the slides together 
working on the baptism thing, finishing all that up. So there's like five or six things I'm trying to do in the morning. And then Heather said something about the piano and the monitor. And I walked up and I said, I'm only one man. I can only do so much. And that was kind of like, that was my bowling point. Like I can only do so much. Now, did I throw anything? No. Did I cuss anybody out? Did I like storm out of the sanctuary? No. Like now I was walking over to get light bulbs. So I wasn't storm. I was really going to get light bulbs. But you know, like even as believers, you're going to face those struggles. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get stressed out. But knowing how to let the spirit even control in moments like that, like 20 years ago before I was met Jesus, that whole anger probably been a lot different there. But you know, that's, that was my anger. Like that was my bullying point. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't do anything. And then, uh, Josh Newton thought it'd be funny to come up to me. So, well, now you got two, what do you need me to do? All right. <laughs> <laughs> He's just laughing at me. Uh, he said, uh, you know, that was the grumpy morning for me that Christians are going to have those. All right. Christians are going to have those, but the Bible even said, we're going to be angry, but we've got to learn not to sin when we're angry. Yeah. And so we can always learn how to handle situations better. We can always learn all this stuff. But I think really what Hannah's talking about more is in those moments where you have a moment like that and something happens and the light switches and you take the monitor and throw it outside. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's where we have to allow the spirit. When there's no control. Of there's it. no control. Yeah. And that's what the self-control is talking about. And that's walking in a spirit-led life too is yeah. having the fruit of the spirit. So yep. this is all. This I don't even know. We could talk on this for, I guess, forever. That's why I said it's very deep. Uh, For a spirit-led life. But uh, I think we've covered a lot of important parts of it. So let's sum this up. To walk in a spirit-led life, first and foremost, you're going to be in the Word. You're you're going to be in the Word. You cannot have a spirit-led life absent of having a Word-driven life. You can't do it. The second thing is you're going to have a powerful prayer life. And you'll, you'll learn to pray more than just in a religious sense. Like you'll start to learn how to pray in the spirit. And even though I think that can believe tongues, I don't think that's exclusive just to praying in tongues. Third thing is walking a life of humility that it's, we've got to realize this whole thing is bigger than us. Like we have been told in the American dream and in the American lifestyle, take care of yourself, do what makes you happy. Do whatever you choose. This thing's about you. Protect yourself. Be about you you and yourself. Um, even today, now, I want to be careful because I do believe there is a truth in this somewhere, but I don't think, I think we've gone out of the way. We have this thing called self-care today. And even though I think there's moments where we need to take care of ourselves, <laughs> mm-hmm. my whole life is not about self-care. Yeah. I mean, I think a better, like, we have to make sure our our responsibilities are done. Are and, met. And, like, our um, bodies are taken care of. Like, because yeah. the Word tells us to take care of our bodies. So I think that's really what self-care is. And then, like, like how Jesus would go and retreat for a little yeah. while. Like, that, that would be considered true self-care. But self-care today is like... Well, you're a little offended, so go go grab a coloring book, yeah. get your crayons, no. get your... It's not a excuse to run away from everything. Yes, 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 I agree. Um, so that's why I say I want to walk carefully on that, because I do... Th- we have... Well, we have to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
And so we've got to take care of ourselves too. Like you can't just let yourself go. But we do have to take care of other people. Um, we can't negate taking care of other people. Miss Joanne Burke said, did you apologize to Heather? <laughs> she had to apologize to me for making... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Miss Joanne. Uh, yes, it was dealt with. Uh, <laughs> but in my defense, now, now like... Hannah was there. She witnessed everything. I didn't yell. Like, I just said, I'm only one person. Like, it's not like I yelled and stormed out or, like, got, like, I mean, like, do you think I yelled? Uh, no, it wasn't a yell. It was just a... It was a frustration. A frustrated remark. All right. But, I mean, like, there was no, like, I didn't, like, I'm only one person. Like, it wasn't, like, nobody got the oil. Uh, um... But I mean, we did. We are frustrated at times, a hundred percent. And but it's but how admitting, we handle. Admitting it is the first step. Uh, to getting past it. I'll say here, <laughs> Hannah just made a word switch flip. Um, Josh Milburn said that. So switch flip. So I guess next time I say something to the head there about I'm only one man, you can just say switch flip, and switch I'll know. Flip. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Miss Joanne said I was I was mean. Um, <laughs> okay, I d- I see both sides, but <laughs> we'll continue this talk <laughs> another time. <laughs> I was gonna see if you agree with Miss Joanne because you was there. <laughs> I mean, it it did come off that way, but like. We're getting more to the picture. I mean, <laughs> at that moment, we didn't, nobody knew. It was just like, oh, dang. <laughs> like, but, you know, like, once you explain, there's, you know, there's a buildup of things, and then you're just doing a random thing, and then it, it's the root of the problem that has to get look, dealt with. Look, let me just tell you something. Being a sound guy in any church is the most awful job because it's no one's ever thankful. <laughs> ever. The sound guy, you're either somebody, somewhere, somehow in that church is not happy. And they will let you know. I do say it gets taken for granted, for sure. Um, And so uh, one listener said, see, now this person's encouraging. Thank you. I, I, I think, appreciate it. I think we <laughs> we need a sound. We need another sound guy. <laughs> All right. This, this might help. This might resolve a lot of things. Uh, this one is, let's see here. This one's encouraging. A wonderful time of learning, discussing, honoring him this morning from Box 2. Thank you both. I think you too, I think you were taking on too much that morning. Uh, well, I take on way too much every um, morning. Um, let me see here. <clears throat> All right. That was a different, that's a personal one. That's not even on there. Um, so, all right. Well, I think people think this is a lot worse than it really was. <laughs> no, it it wasn't. I mean, it was not a yell or anything like. That. <laughs> I mean, th- this has happened before. Like it, it wasn't. It's a normal like marital. Yeah. I mean. All right. Um, but, but at least you admitted it, though. I'm, you knew I'm it was frustration. Um, but all I'm saying is that we can be frustrated, and. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to get frustrated. You're not going to say something. You're not going to be overwhelmed. It's knowing how to control it even when it does happen. Mm-hmm. And not letting yourself get what Hannah calls switch flip. <laughs> um, where you just go off the rocker. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen pastors go off the rocker. And not only that, but like, I mean, you had to preach that morning. Mm-hmm. So like, 
making sure that my heart was right. Yeah. And and like that's not easy to do when you're frustrated at all. I had to go pray. Uh but, but like going and praying, especially like with things like that where and even if you're not preaching, but if you're I don't know, a Sunday school teacher or going home to your kids to be with them, like if you're if you're if the Lord's using you to like pour into other people, just making sure to have that self control and pray after that so it's not affecting anything yeah. else. Yeah, I think and the reason I'm transparent is because I don't want anybody to think I never want to be on a pedestal. But also, I think when we realize that everybody's relatable to everybody and a lot of people's going through the same stuff, like you can't if you look at me and tell me you're a Christian and you never get frustrated, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You just are like you're going to get frustrated in your life sometime. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to say stuff. You're going to do You're going to vent either to the Lord or to... Most of the time, you're not um, always venting to the Lord. You're venting to your spouse or someone else. But, but I think when you're walking a life of humility, you do learn to where to have that self-control, where it's not mm-hmm. about you being right at the end of the day. Like, it's always going to be there. And... Um, the Holy Spirit helps keep us in check. Yep. Like, the Holy Spirit will not let us off the hook. And that's what keeps us humble. Yeah. Is if we're constantly letting him work on us and not thinking well it's this person's fault and that person's fault it's everybody else's fault yep <laughs> well we are out of time this morning we're going to be back tomorrow 7 a.m central time here on mornings of box 2 radio on the box 2 radio network